A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Raj Punjabi, head of identity content at HuffPost. And I'm Noah Michelson, head of HuffPost Personal. Welcome to Am I Doing It Wrong? The show that explores the all too human anxieties we have about trying to get our lives right. Raj, I have a personal question for you. Oh. Maybe one of the most personal questions you can ask someone. Hit me. Do you have debt? That is a personal question, and I will gladly oblige. Uh, I have debt. I don't have student loans, thank goodness, um, anymore. But I have a mortgage. It's the most grown-up thing I've ever said. And I have a little bit of credit card debt. Okay, so I don't have credit card debt, but I do have student loans. Okay, But most people do have credit card debt. Yeah. Um, The average credit card debt for Americans is between $8,000 and $10,000. Okay, so now I don't feel as guilty. No, and also, this is crazy, credit card debt's only getting worse. Since the end of 2021, Americans' credit card debt has jumped $130 billion. That's a 15% increase in the last 20 years. Yikes. Okay, so um, this begs the question, are we doing credit card debt wrong? We sure are. Mm. That's why this week we're chatting with Jamie Feldman. She's a writer who recently went viral on TikTok when she admitted she needs to pay off close to $20,000 in credit card debt. And because of that, she launched her own podcast. It's called Debt Heads, where she shares her journey as well as the mental health implications surrounding money and the structures that keep so many of us in debt and quiet about it. Did she pay off the debt? We're going to find out. Mm, Let's do it. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. So before we even start, I'd love to hear more about how you ended up revealing something so personal (laughs) and that so many people won't talk about much less on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I joke that I'm a musical theater kid, so I tend to not be great at doing things without an audience. (laughs) And I went from sort of concealing this big shameful secret that I had to sharing it with not a lot of people. I didn't have many TikTok followers, but, you know, putting it out in public as a way to keep myself accountable and 
it sort of just took off, which, you know, opened my eyes to the ways that this is like an insidious issue for so many people in this country. It is. And it's so important for all of us to have this information. You should really have an OnlyFans, honestly. <laughs> oh my God, good idea. <laughs> Maybe that'll get rid of the rest of the, the debt that I have. Look, <laughs> we're here on a mission, okay? Where are you at now? You started around 20,000, right? It's funny. I actually started like telling people I had 18,000 and then it was sort of perfect, but I found this other credit card that I didn't even realize that I had Ooh. about like a quarter of the way through, but I'd already made like a personality saying that I had $18,000 of debt. So it was more like 23000 total. Mm -hmm. Now I'm down to 9200 which I know is kind of annoying to not be at 9000 but that's just where I'm at right <laughs> now. So that's are. what it is. <laughs> yeah. Was it a home goods credit card? Because I feel like those one will sneak, those will sneak up on you. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it's funny you say home goods because I come from a TJ Maxx and Easter family. So it Look, was instilled in me from birth that shopping is, is fun. <laughs> you're among your own. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get into it. Jamie, I know a big part of your message is not just that we're paying off our credit card debt wrong, but that we're approaching the whole issue wrong. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is twofold. It's actually maybe like 45-fold. <laughs> but essentially, first off, like we in this country are required to have like some debt to be part of society, right? Yeah. Largely, you need it if you want to rent a home, if you want to get a car. Like we are told there are cashless businesses popping up everywhere. Like we are told to be members of society. We need to have a credit score. We need to have some kind of debt. Um, so it's this thing that like we're forced to be a part of, but then as a result, we're also subject to predatory lending practices, uncapped, you know, skyrocketing interest rates, as well as like a fundamental lack of education around financial subjects Absolutely. for all of us. So, you know, I think it's important to take that into account because a lot of the time we just look at debt as it's like personal failing. Mm. I know I certainly did before I started paying it off and it's just not the case. And I think once you start looking at it from that lens, you also can start to show yourself a little bit more compassion, which goes into another thing I think we don't talk about enough, which is that money and mental health are inextricably intertwined um, and you can't really get control of one if you don't have control of the other one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you and I have talked before about the idea that people, when people say they have debt, people think, oh, you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you just can't stop buying purses. Right, Or right, you go right. on too many trips. Right. It's a moral and, failing. And you, but you have thoughts about this and, and that actually the fact is that um, there's reasons, mental health reasons even why we get into debt. Yeah. I mean, first of all, let me say that I know that debt involves personal choice, right? Like nobody forced me to go to the bank and get a credit card. I am, you know, I, I question why I was given a $16,000 credit limit, but nobody sure. pushed me into Chase Bank and said, go here, get, go get a credit card. You have to. But I think, you know, what are the reasons that you spend? Well, sometimes it has to do with low self-esteem. Sometimes it has to do with not wanting to miss out because, you know, you may have some codependent behaviors that you're not addressing. So it's like, Sure, these are choices that people make, but they don't exist in a vacuum. They exist in this much larger story of, you know, personal mental health as well as like structural, broken structural issues. Mm -hmm. I also, the thing you said about financial literacy, there's just this yeah. giant void for all of us and it exists sometimes more for queer people and for people of color. Um, but really, why did we have like home ec and uh, those kind of classes yes. and we didn't have like a financial literacy class in elementary school? Like we should be learning this stuff from the jump. I would have given up gym class. 
and, oh. got, and learned how to like balance my bank account. I mean, Absolutely. I think we, both of us would have given up gym class either way. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> no, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> like yeah. total theater kid. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's insidious in this country. And like you, you get this credit card, you get a stack of paperwork that the, the type is like 0.01 font. That's basically you giving away all your money. And, you know, you, we don't, we're not, we have no idea what we're signing away for. You know, I know we're talking about credit cards, but the same goes for student loans. I mean, you're how old when you sign up for a student loan? Yeah. And then you just have that for the rest of your life. You're not really aware of the implications that will come later. Yeah. Well, Jamie, you are not the only one dealing with this. I was looking at some stats this morning. And so for Gen Z, they have the least amount of debt. They have about 3,000. An average person has 3,000, which makes sense because you just sort of been birthed into the world, right? You're getting out of college and- Yeah, but Gen Z is really the best at everything. Let's be real. <laughs> that is that, that could be the reason. Gen X has the most. They've got about 7,000 and boomers and millennials sort of fall a little bit lower than that. Men and women have about the same amount. Men have 6,300. Women have about 6,200. I like to say that I'm above average because I have 9,200. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're winning. I'm just special. Exemplary. <laughs> And then when you start to look at Federal Reserve figures in terms of race breakdown, it's really interesting. So white people have the most with about 7,000. Black people have the least with about 3,900. Hispanic or Latino people, 5,500 and other, which I think is Asian and also people who have mixed race. It's about 6,300. And there's a lot of reasons why it breaks down Damn, that way. how is Asian going to be other, though? We are literally like one-sixth of the planet. Just a <laughs> no, little side note. To the Federal and, Reserve. And like, you know, every like employment thing I have to fill out, like, <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of issues. That's a story for another side time. Note, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it gets back to what you were saying earlier about how it's almost like a catch-22, right? Because you have to have debt or you have to have a credit history in mm -hmm. order to borrow more money. Yeah. And you can't borrow money unless you have a credit history. Right. And so it's like, how do you do both at the same time? Right. I mean, and then unfortunately, what ends up happening is that people end up, you know, in even worse predatory situations with, with loans. Um, you know, I know there are some ways now to build up your credit card. There are some credit cards that you don't need any credit history to get, which I think is an improvement. But yeah, it's like we're required to be a part of this society, but we're also penalized and then we're preyed upon once we're in it. So there aren't like a ton of, you know, great answers to that <laughs> for me. You right, know? especially for black and brown people where there are racial disparities in lending and credit reporting. Um, there's generational wealth differences. Yeah. Like It can be a lot harder if you are not a white person to get credit. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, on the flip side of that, and I've said this earlier, I walked into a, a bank. I won't, I won't name drop them, but it rhymes with face. And, you know, they, <laughs> I walked in and I was like a young journalist making 40, maybe $40,000 a year. And they were like, sure, here's $16,000. Right. And I was like, wow, free money. You know, like what, of course I'm going to yeah. use it. And it's like, who, who in their right mind was giving me that amount of money to, you know, spend, which I did, yeah. you know. And even if they tell you, even if you read the fine print that it's like 18 to 24% interest or whatever it is, do we know what that means? And I'm not even going to say at that age, like that's hard. That's kind of hard to understand if you're not a money person. Also, you know, not only is it hard to understand, but it's hard to figure out what that means for your payments, right? Because interest accrues daily. Yeah, it's not that. like all of a sudden interest just shows up for the month. It accrues every single day. So even if you're not spending money, whatever balance you have is 
accruing interest. So what's really maddening is looking at your statement and seeing just how much of your money is just going to interest. Yeah. And that's sort of like one of the first things that like got me on this path of pay, of trying to aggressively pay it down because it's just infuriating at the end of the day. Yeah. It's a, it's a simple fact. I don't think a lot of people process that when Absolutely. they first get credit cards. Let's talk about not talking about our debt, okay? Because <laughs> a lot of people just, finances in general, again, Gen Z is better at being financially transparent with people. But I think in general, we have a hard time, especially talking about debt. In fact, uh, more than two in five partnered Americans said they've withheld or lied about financial information to a significant other. Mm-hmm. This is like, quote unquote, financial infidelity or whatever. But we all like, who is going to be totally forthcoming unless they're maybe super rich or don't have any debt, right? Yeah. This is why I'm single. You could tell my my grandmother that. (laughs) This is why. I don't want to lie to anybody. (laughs) Well, I know you have a partner. Do you you all talk about your debt or your finances? Do you know what? We didn't for the first five years of our relationship. Yeah, it's just, and I think it was just a respect thing. Like if no one brought it up, maybe both of us didn't want to talk about it. It took five full years to start talking about our financial goals even. Yeah. I move slow in my relationships, but I felt, you know, that's a long time. No, it's so personal and, and we don't talk about it. I'm moving in with my boyfriend on Saturday, actually, which is super Yay. exciting. But when we were <laughs> applying for the apartment, yeah, all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, here's my bank mm-hmm. statements and here's Oof, all this stuff. That'll and I do was it. like, I had to sort of come out to him then, but I wasn't <laughs> sure I was ready to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was definitely scary. You're brave though, because there's ways around that. Like I have dodged like my partner and I have like dodged ways to really be super transparent with each other and not to be not to be shady. It's just it's super personal and we perhaps don't want each other judged. Yeah. Right. I mean, the only thing I can really compare this to is like my mom had no idea that I had any credit card debt at all. And meanwhile, I was juggling about twenty three thousand dollars of it. This is like someone who I, I share I probably too many things that therapists would say, right? And <laughs> yet, like, this one thing I wasn't sharing with anybody. And it's like, that's why I talk so much about the mental health implications, because I was walking around being like, I have $20,000 of credit card debt, and I also have anxiety, but there's no way that the two are related. They're just two <laughs> things that make up me, right? right? And then I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> the minute I started really looking into it and starting to pay it down, I was like, oh, all, not all. I still have plenty of anxiety. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a lot of the things I had anxiety about were just these feelings of shame that I couldn't be open with anyone about it. Yeah. And so I think that's partially why now I'm such an open book about it, because I don't want people to feel that way. And I don't ever want to feel that way again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, the two are intertwined. I mean, People that are like, money doesn't buy happiness. I'm like, lol. Yeah, like lol. You, yeah. <laughs> you probably have a lot of money. Yeah. Because it affects how we live our lives, our access okay. to therapy, right. our access to quality food. Right. You know? It's- right. And, yeah. If you have money, you still have anxiety, right? But it's yeah. not about just paying the rent yeah. or just putting food on the table or just paying your bills. Exactly. Like that evaporates when you have money and you can yeah. worry about other things. Yeah. But that being said... We do exist in a society where most of us have debt, especially credit card debt. So we should talk about how do we do it better? What are we doing Mm -hmm. wrong? Mm -hmm. And what can we change? All I can really say is what has worked for me. From the jump, I sat down. My 
friend and my co-host on the podcast, Rachel, had been doing this for much longer than me. And she was using this budgeting software called Tiller. And you can do this with with any budgeting software, I believe. I just went through about six months of my historical spending. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing I needed to do. I think there's this um, sort of pattern, and I certainly fell into this pattern too, where I just wasn't looking. Yeah. If I don't look, it doesn't exist. Right. I hear that. I can give you my credit card. I'm going to be stressed out that it's going to get declined, but I don't need to know. It's not my business. Of course it's my business. Of course it's my business. Right. And so I, I started by looking at everything I spent money on the past six months and categorizing every single thing that I had been spending money on the past six months. And you take a good hard look at where your money's going. And honestly, that's the first thing that got me to that that whipped me into shape and yeah. was like, this is not what I want. This mm-hmm. is not what I want for my life. You know, I don't want to look at my historical spending and see that I spent eight hundred dollars on restaurants in a month. I'm one human person. Right. Like that's too much, you know. Uh, but you can't fix something that you you refuse to look at, right? So yeah. I think that's like the first thing, looking at what my spending was looked like and then taking an audit of every single one of my cards because I had debt across a number of credit cards and looking at which one had the highest amount of interest, what were the minimum monthly payments, where could I consolidate, where should I start first? So those were the questions I started asking myself and asking myself even more difficult questions like, should I go to this dinner that I had scheduled? Like, do I, do I go to this wedding that I had booked for that, you know, that a couple of weeks later? And the answer ultimately for me at that time was no, which was really difficult, yeah. but it's honesty across the board, honesty with yourself and honesty with the people in your life. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like the hard, was that the hardest step? That sounds like the hardest thing. It was. And it continues to be, you know, I made my entire personality about having debt. And still, if someone's like, do you want to go out to dinner? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I do, (laughs) but I can't, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard. I think the thing I hear all the time is like the first thing you should do besides getting the lay of the land is like pay more than the minimum. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Is that a strategy that, that you started with? And how do you do that? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's ideal. Right. Not all of us have, you know, we, a lot of us can't afford to do that. I currently I'm a freelancer. I don't have the means to really pay that much above the minimum, but when you're paying the minimum, you're really only paying interest essentially. And like we said, interest accrues daily. So any, if you can pay a bit more than the minimum, or, you know, if you can pay multiple times in the month, right. Let's say you can throw a couple hundred dollars in the middle of the month and a couple hundred at the end then you're minimizing the interest as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's a really great option if you can do it. The truth of the matter is a lot of people can't do it, but um, that is what I f- was fortunate enough to be able to do when I first started paying it down. I think that's that's my favorite thing to do, to pay, even if it's like a small amount, pay more than more than once a month mm-hmm. because I feel like, I feel more empowered too. And yes, some months I can do that and some months I can't. Um, and it depends on all of our, you know, situations and whether we have dependents and things like that. But right. yeah, I think some people don't know that you can do that more than mm-hmm. once a month. I think there are a lot of things people don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's this, it's not necessarily with credit card debt, but if you have other, you know, things that you're paying off, it's possible to make a 
only principal payment. I think a lot of people don't know this. I certainly didn't know this. Um, And they make it really difficult. Like companies do not want you to know that you can do this, but you can, if you have some extra money, you can call and say, I would like this payment to just go toward the principal because you ultimately, you want that number to be lower because then the interest is on a lower amount. So if you can, if you have other kinds of debts and other kinds of payments that you're paying off a car payment or things like that, that's another good thing to look into. Yeah, it's kind of a hack. And I and I did not know that either. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's it's interesting and also infuriating because it should be written out in plain letters yeah. on your on your bill. Yeah. <laughs> I've also heard too paying um turning on auto pay can be really useful, even if it's just for that minimum amount, because mm-hmm. otherwise you can get late fees. There can be all these other things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but also some people again, some people are are paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Some people can't just do auto pay. That's maybe part of the problem why they're in this in the first place. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I have auto pay set up for some things um, and I overdraw my bank account sometimes. Right. Uh, That's and, my fear. Yeah, yeah. Which is a fear. And the banks make a lot of money hoping that that will happen to you. You know, they make a lot of money on late fees. They make a lot of money on interest. Like this is what they want. They want this to happen. So, you know, I think it takes a little bit more planning to not have your things on auto pay. I personally like to go through, you know, I have it written down when each payment is due. I like to go through and see when they're coming out and, you know, do it myself. I also have more of like a visual thing and I like to get things done. Um, and, you know, being in auto mode and just spending is kind of what got me here in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I don't, for me, it's not for me. I, I think it can be useful if you're someone that will forget or, you know, um, that might make your life easier. Um, but for me, I think it's more being intentional about it and doing things automatically just, I don't know, runs the risk of kind of forgetting about it a little bit. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So Raj, tell me, how is your social battery right now? You know, today it's pretty high and vibrant, but it varies day to day. That makes total sense because it's super easy to ignore our social battery and spread ourselves too thin especially with social gatherings picking up after the winter. Truly. Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. For me, therapy has been illuminating. Just to be able to process day-to-day anxieties has helped me so much. I kind of wish that for everyone. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. 
It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash doing it wrong today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash doing it wrong. Welcome back to Am I Doing It Wrong? Everybody's lifestyle will warrant a different kind of approach to credit card debt, right? So there's a few different theories. So can you tell me a little bit about the snowball method? Sure. So the snowball method is when you pay a little bit at a time, um, and as opposed to paying off a large amount. So that's a really good option if, you know, you're really motivated by just seeing getting a win, right? Or if that's the financial situation you're in, I think that's a good option. It's it's also sometimes the only option for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I started paying off when I could. I started paying off my debt using the avalanche method, which is when you go straight to the amount that has the highest interest yeah. and you aggressively pay that down. And for me, it was like the interest was was so infuriating to me that I wanted to just get rid of it. Yeah. And I think if you're in a situation where you're able to do that, that's that's like, um, that's what really worked for me. Obviously, it doesn't work for everybody. And I think whichever way you choose to do it, just having a sense of what you have, what money you have coming in, what money you have going out and seeing like how much you actually, being realistic about how much you actually have to contribute to it every month is the most important thing. Yeah, totally. I heard about this other method. It's called the volcano method. I had never heard about this. I hadn't I, either. Yeah. So this is crazy. This was um, invented by Christine Lucan. And so basically- Is that when you just throw all your credit cards in a volcano and say, fuck it? <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. No, but that would be a good method as well. I think a lot of people would love that one. You have to get to a volcano though, which might require getting into You're a volcano. Yeah. Yeah. Going to Hawaii. Yeah. Listen, by any means necessary. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. So Christine Lucan was in a relationship with her boyfriend and she was basically paying all the bills. They were both on the same credit cards and he couldn't keep a job. And so when they broke up, she got this bill from Dillard's, which is a department store. Mm -hmm. And on the bill was the Valentine's Day gift that he had bought for her. So she basically was paying off her own (gasps) Valentine's Day gift. And she was so pissed off that she paid off the Dillard's card first. And so with the volcano method, basically the idea is that you pay off the bill that pisses you off the most. And that inspires you because debt is emotional and all of this is emotional. Mm -hmm. And like, if you can use that emotion to sort of like fuel your journey to getting, you know, out of debt, that's what you'll do, which I'd never heard of, but I guess that could make sense. It makes a lot of sense, especially just thinking about student loans. A lot Mm -hmm. of people are like very much middle finger. Every time they make a payment, they're like, I'm this close to having you off my back. And then the other one, which is going to sort of beautifully segue us into the next section that we want to talk about is this idea of the lasso method. Mm -hmm. So that is snowball method where you're paying off some of your smaller debts, getting that momentum going. um, And then you consolidate all the bigger ones you have left into one payment. So let's talk about consolidating credit cards. Mm -hmm. That seems like a really great option. And I think, but a lot of people are like, how do I do that? Can I do that? What does that even mean? So you consolidated, right? I didn't consolidate. I looked into consolidation. So I was between either doing a consolidation or 
transferring to a 0% APR card. Which is not the same thing. Which is not the same thing. Um, So debt consolidation, I actually was considering this route and I got on the phone with a debt management counselor with someone from the ACCC, which is the American Credit Counseling Corporation. You may have to fact check me on that. Okay. I know there's like 400 C's in the in the in the acronym. And I talked to this one very lovely person for over an hour. We went through all my finances. We went we exhausted all my options. You know, do you want to do a personal loan, which ultimately I think could be a good option for some people. It involves consolidating yeah. all your debt. However, a personal loan interest rate usually, I don't know, the ones I was looking at were hovering around 13%. Ooh. My credit card was about maybe 17 to 20. And so, you know, there are fees associated with doing that and there it, it ultimately didn't feel like worth it to move all of my money just for like a couple of percentage points less. Um, and the the last option we spoke about, which is what, you know, they really specialize in is you consolidate all the payments. They negotiate for you an interest rate of about 10%. And then you pay them a minimum payment each month. You pay the, the counseling yes. group. Yeah. So you pay like you have to pay the minimum amount, right? You can't pay over the minimum amount and you can only do that once. So at the time, and it, you know, it doesn't leave a permanent mark on your credit score, but it does show, it does send a message to the banks that you've done it. Mm-hmm. And again, you can only do it one time. So I, I sort of felt like it was more of an emergency situation. And sure. I, at the time I was not in an emergency situation. I didn't want to be kicking myself later if I didn't have funds to pay over the minimum, which I did at the time that I started paying my debt. And then it was too late. I couldn't go that route again. So those are, you know, personal loan and, you know, debt consolidation, working with a debt management consolidation are two really great options, I think, depending on what your situation is. I ultimately chose to go with a 0% APR card that has a 24 month promotional period because it just felt like the best option for me at the time. Yeah. And then ultimately, I have to ask how many credit cards should we have ideally? So you're on the mend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I worked really hard. I think I I had five at one time. I think maybe one or two is probably more than enough. I think, you know, there's this whole other conversation once you're no longer in debt, if you're if you're gaming the system and using credit cards to get rewards sure. or book flights. And, you know, there's this whole other world. There's this whole other like world that I'm not in and I don't want to be in but involving like gaming the, the points system. But, you know, I had probably my $23,000 across five or six cards and I worked really hard. To, I, I I figured out which one had the highest interest. I, I worked on getting rid of that one first. And I went from there and I ultimately ended up transferring a very large portion of what was left to a 0% APR card. And then whatever I couldn't get moved over because you don't necessarily get approved for the entire amount of your balance, I aggressively paid off and paid the minimum on the 0% card right. until I no longer had any of the other debts. And I was able to just shift it to shift my focus to the the remaining balance, which was on a 0% card. Right. So now you, what, have about six months left on that period, that that grace period of 0%, yeah. I think I've seen on your TikTok. Yeah, don't remind me. So you me. have about $9,000 <laughs> left in six months before. What happens in six months with that with that credit card? The, the interest rate spikes way, way okay. up. Okay. So I think it's like 24%. Right. Ideally, I would have liked to have paid it all off in the time that I was 
allotted to have 0% interest. That's not the reality of my life. Um, so I am working diligently to pay as much down as possible in from between now and March while also, you know, continuing to live my life and not have like a mental health breakdown. Like stay inside, yeah. Um, and then at that point, hopefully it will be a low enough number that the interest is shitty, but not like, you know, earth shattering. Yeah. And I can just deal with the interest until I get the rest paid off. Or I could also look into another 0% card and hope that the next promotional period yeah. will be. Because the bank is hoping that you do this happens to you, right? right. It's rigged. It's like, rigged. Yeah. No matter what. You know, yeah. that's the thing that we have to keep saying is that like, yeah, you find this card with 0%. That's amazing. You can pay off the principal and not be charged interest. But like, they're hoping that you don't get to uh, to zero before that's over. Of course. It's yeah. a marketing tool. I yeah. mean, speaking of rigged, I feel like I don't know that much about declaring bankruptcy. Um, and I think a lot of people don't know. There's this episode of The Office where Michael is like in debt and he comes out of his office and he's like, I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> and they're like, you can't just declare it. Right. So can you explain to me what that option is? Um, I actually can't because I don't know. I, well, I, I, I thought about it, but I, I talked to the debt management counselor about it. But that's a that's an emergency situation. Yeah, imagine so. so. My yeah. whole family are bankruptcy attorneys. Actually. Okay, let's oh, go. Let's, you're but you're the keep, expert. I want to keep me. this on credit card debt, but okay. I will say for okay. some people, it is a really good option. Yeah. Um, but you have to give up like most of your assets, you know, if you do chapter okay. seven right. um, or you're in a payment plan for like four years, if it's chapter 13 or okay. a certain number of years. Um, and so for a lot of people, actually, it's not an option. Okay. But if you are far enough in debt, it can be. I think that's the thing too to remember too, is that some people, because of this country and how broken it is, mm -hmm. they're putting medical bills on credit cards. Oh yeah. Like yeah. this again, yeah. is not just people who are like, I want to go have a crazy night out and no. I'm going to go to the strip club and spend, you know, all this money. It's like, no, you're paying for your prescription. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes people get to the point where they have to go bankrupt because yeah. they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because of things that they can't help. Right. So right. it's that was right. Right. Everybody has a different situation, right? Like I can only speak to mine. I, I didn't I wasn't gonna declare bankruptcy because it just wasn't like the thing that I needed to do. And most lawyers at that point, if you have twenty three thousand dollars in credit card debt, most lawyers are gonna tell you don't go bankrupt. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're not at a point yet where totally. you need to do that. Right. Um but you're right, Raj. That is an option for people if they have lots and lots and lots of debt. Okay. You talked earlier about budgeting, and that seems like the really practical way to sort of start chipping away is budgeting and saving money. So let's go through some of the ways that you found budgeting was useful and ways that you are saving money now. Yeah. I mean, as mentioned, the first thing I did was take a look at my historical spending, especially if you have a paycheck that's the same amount every month. Like I'm, you know, more and more people are part of the freelance gig economy. So it's a little bit more challenging, but Mostly if you take a look, if you do an audit on yourself, which I know is challenging and it's like looking in the mirror, when you do that, you can say, okay, here's how much money I have coming in. I know exactly how much is coming in and I know exactly what I'm spending my money on. And for me, budgeting to me is not um, restricting. It's not saying I'm not allowed to do this thing that I love anymore. It's reprioritization. Mm. So I love my friends. I love living in New York. I love going out to dinner. Do I love it more than I want to save all my money and go to Europe and eat like in a restaurant in Paris? No, sorry. Like come over and sit on my couch and drink boxed wine with me. I would much rather do that. It's, it's quieter. <laughs> we yeah. can actually hear each other talk. 
we're going to pay, you know, we're not paying $20 for one drink. And so it was really like taking a good hard look at where my money was going and what my values are. Mm-hmm. like And goal setting, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously getting out of credit card was the number one goal. Yeah. Um, There's and- so much more. The Europe thing is also like a more fun goal. Exactly. Yeah. And also like, uh, sorry, but you need to, it's not, you know, there are some financial experts who are like, you shouldn't see a restaurant if you are in debt unless you're working in it, which is like a direct quote from a financial expert I won't name. But like, mm-hmm. to me, that's not a realistic way to live. We no. all have like, you know, we all need to live and we all mm-hmm. need to not just live. We need to have a life. And my whole, you know, theory on life is harm reduction. Like mm-hmm. do what yeah, you do. Yeah. Just- We're just trying to get by. We're all just trying to get by. We need to be kind to ourselves. But having said that, there were places where I was absolutely overspending. The first month I started paying off my debt, I actually cut out restaurants completely and I cut out shopping completely for the month of July. And, you know, ultimately what I found was, A, it wasn't that scary to say to my friends, Noah included, like, can we do something else that's not, that doesn't involve spending money to like sit and catch up? Because that's ultimately what all these things are. They're trying to connect. Right. We would go on walks. We did potlucks where everyone brings something. Yeah, you do a picnic. Like, honestly, I think that capitalism creates boredom. Like, it it, it creates boredom, Mm -hmm. right? Like, when you take out the, like, ease of saying, let's go to a restaurant, then you become way more creative. And ultimately, it becomes more fun, in my opinion. I feel like some of the videos that went the most viral for you two, or it was just you showing like what you did in a day to mm-hmm. save money. And yeah. it, it was like you making a salad <laughs> or washing your own car. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That was, that was actually <laughs> one of my most viral videos, but it was because I was using <laughs> the wrong kind of brush on my car, which oh. I didn't know everyone on TikTok was a car wash expert. <laughs> I'm certainly not. They will let you know. They will yeah. let you know. That was the first time I realized that maybe they prioritize videos that are a little like quote unquote controversial, but yeah, it was like, I, tr- I tried doing all of these things. I, I, I suggested other plans. I washed my own car. I got really into boxed wine, big box wine gal, like, you know, just things that I could make adjustments in my everyday life that I didn't realize were adding up to so much at the end of the month that I could then put toward my credit card or toward a savings account for travel. You know, I'm curious though, like, is it sort of like with losing weight, which is maybe a horrible connection to make, but the idea that like, if you try and go all in and totally limit everything, so no restaurants, no shopping, then you're just going to fail because you need some of that. Did you find that after like that month when you were doing none of it, did you have to ease back in? I think there is an element of sort of like revenge spending that I went through like a little bit more recently, actually, because I've been so diligent about it for so long. Um, But you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, to not just weight loss. You can compare it to anything. Yeah. You cannot just say, I'm I'm depriving myself of all these things. I'm just cutting them out. Yeah. That's not how life works. Life is like a series of very small changes mm-hmm. to create consistency, no matter what we're talking about, whether yeah. it's dead or, or otherwise. And so, you know, the, the reason why I did that challenge was because I just wanted to A, see if I could do it and B, it sounded kind of like fun. But ultimately, long-term change is what you're going for. You're not just going, you know, you don't just want to just pay off all your debt at once because then what? What have you learned? And I mean, that would be great if you could just pay off your debt all at once. <laughs> but, I, you know, if you if that's not the option, it's like, no, let's figure out what real life changes I can bring into my world that will have long-term effects. And they're sustainable. Yeah, exactly. you can keep doing that. Exactly. What about things like, I mean, you hear about all these hacks, but like 
oh, like get rid of some of your subscriptions mm-hmm. to, you know, different um, platforms that you're watching, like get rid of Apple Plus or whatever. Did you do things like that too? I did. You know, I think again, once you start going through every single one of your expenses and you see things that you maybe paid for your Google cloud, that's been charging you like 90, even like 99 cents a month. Like now I'm annoyed that I didn't even know that I have these things that I'm yeah. not using and they're charging me every month. So I, I definitely did a little bit of that. I think that goes hand in hand with just knowing exactly what is getting taken out of your bank account each month. And some things are more important. Like I have cable, which many people would say is foolish. I really like the Olympics. And I really, you know, like obviously now more people are cord cutting. There are ways to watch the Olympics and the Oscars and all these things, but that's a priority for me. And so I can go ahead and remove something else that, you know, was charging me money that I didn't even realize was coming out and keep the cable. It's like, those are, that's my priority. I love this idea of like making a list of the things that make you the most happy Mm -hmm. and then like being really honest about them. Because if you are trying to chip away at debt, I think really being honest with yourself about like, I actually don't need this thing that much, but I really need the Hulu. I need to watch Reservation Dogs. Like this makes me happy and whatever. And I think that's, you know, my partner and I started picking up food instead of doing delivery. Like we do take out a little more. It's it's like really large. It's like half your bill. Honestly, like I I never order in ever, which like you would think would make me a person that's not in debt. I don't know where all my money goes. You should be a billionaire. I know. Why am I not a billionaire? But the reason I don't is because being single and talking about like having to pay for things as a single person is another podcast episode as well. But it's not ever worth it to me to order Seamless for one person when it basically doubles the amount, like you said. Like I'm either cooking, I'm going to do takeout, and that's that's about it. What about a side hustle? I kind of hate this culture now where like, everything should be a side hustle. Yeah. Like if you enjoy- Yeah, like making bracelets, yeah. Yeah, like, well, why Mm -hmm. are you selling them, you know? How do you feel about people doing side hustles to try and get out of debt? I think it's a really good idea if that's your personality. Certainly not mine. You know, I have a hard time just like having a hustle, let alone like a side hustle. (laughs) And which is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a freelancer. So that's part like a side hustle basically is my hustle right now. Like I'm constantly having to navigate where the next paycheck's coming in from and how to like figure out my life. Um, You know, I watch a lot of TikToks about like, here's ways to make passive income on Etsy and Amazon. Sure, like go for it. I think that's a great idea. It's like so contingent on your personality type and like yeah, what- and how many kids you have and stuff like yeah. that. And how much time yeah. you have in a day. Yeah. Like I have probably the time to do it, but I am working on other things. And it's like, I would rather reprioritize and like get super intentional about where my money sure. is going than try to like hustle more. Like life is hard. <laughs> You're not like, your like sourdough. Or at least like diversify <laughs> your hustle. Business. Maybe get your like primary hustle in the right place. Exactly, I get what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Like I just, I want to just get, I need to just be able to get by. <laughs> okay. So Jamie, paying off your debt has been a very public journey, which is really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. What has the response been? That's a really good question. I, I was so afraid of the response. And the reason I even started doing it on TikTok is because I didn't have any followers on TikTok at the time. <laughs> and I thought I was just like sort of screaming into the void where Whereas on Instagram, like my mom's there, all of her friends are there, like everyone I ever met and went to college with is mm-hmm. that, you know, it sort of felt a little bit more anonymous, even though it's literally my face and my right. name and everything about me. And there is, of course, negative feedback as there isn't any like public venture. But I think what really struck me and the reason I'm even still doing this, like I, I could have easily just 
been like, okay, I'm paying off my debt now. I'm not making like a whole personality of it is because people reached out immediately, almost immediately to say, I'm in this much credit card debt. I have this much shame about it. I paid off this much credit card debt in whatever year, 19, in the nineties. Like I, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. I, I've never told anybody this. Like people are coming to me with these things that they've never told anybody. It's so emotional. And it makes it worth it. It's the reason that I continue to do it because the what's important to me is destigmatizing yeah. debt just more generally and and kind of taking away this layer of of uh, shame that surrounds it. And so if you know if I can you know affect that change in a small way from my corner of the internet, I'm going to keep doing that. I didn't set out to be like a debt influencer. That's not my my goal in life. But the connection with people and helping people feel seen, which has been my goal throughout my entire career, is like so leaps and bounds more than I expected when I first started talking about it. I love that. That's important. Yeah. Thank you for coming and talking about it with us. I, I feel pleasure. like it does change it when someone who's just quote unquote a normal person is like this is what happened to me and here's how I'm trying to dig myself out it it means more yeah well thank you it means a lot that you wanted to talk to me about it so thank you it's time for better in five our top tips from this episode all right let's get our money right first things first you want to remember that credit card debt is the product of a broken system so while you want to take personal responsibility shame should not be the only thing you're feeling amen number two start with an audit of your spending find out how many credit cards you have their interest rates and your total debt once you know where you're standing you can figure out how to get moving number three There are so many different strategies for tackling your debt, from the snowball approach to the volcano approach. Figure out which one feels right to you and the way you want to live. Number four, make more than one payment per month if you can, and ask about principal-only payments. The more you can pay, and the more often, the quicker your debt will start to disappear. And number five, when it comes to saving, try to prioritize honestly. Make a list of the things that bring you joy and cut out only what feels doable. So Noah, how wrong have you been tackling your credit card debt? Well, not wrong at all because I don't have any. I have plenty of other debt. Mm-mm, that's still a flex. But I will say I, I learned a lot from Jamie. Yeah. And I think the thing I like the most were two things. One, sort of giving yourself permission to say no to things that have felt like obligations and that maybe you didn't want to do anyways. Yeah. And that's putting you into debt, like going out to fancy dinners. Um, and number two, this idea that capitalism breeds boredom. Like I want that on a t-shirt Yeah. and how in order to fight that idea, maybe you become more creative. And so you're doing things with people that you wouldn't normally do. And that's actually deepening your relationship with them. I totally agree. And I think even before we get there, it all starts with being more vocal about your debt and your money situation. Anyway, that's what really resonated with me. Um, I think that if I was just a little bit more open and transparent with my friends and family about where I am, uh, it would make everyone feel more comfortable and happy, weirdly and ironically. So yeah, I'm going to practice that. Great, because most of us are in debt in one way or another, credit card or otherwise, but we don't talk about it. So imagine if we were all just saying, yeah, this is the reality of it. And also not only that, here's how it's helping. Here's what I'm doing. Maybe this will help you. What are you doing? Maybe that'll help me. community we'd all be a lot better off. I agree. Well, until next time, as long as there are things to get wrong and there are plenty of them, we'll be here to help you do them better. That's right. Love you guys. 
Do you have something you think you're doing wrong? Email us at amidoingitwrong at huffpost.com and let us know. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com